Thank you for joining today's podcast. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, you can partner with us and give at kcalaska.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our channel and enjoy more messages like this one. If you fathers, being evil, know how to give good gifts, how much more does your heavenly father not meet the needs? Give good gifts. God actually respects someone that covets his gifts, both invisible and visible. Because I didn't get to where I am right now, wherever I am, and I got a long way to go. But I used to have nobody healed in my meetings. And then I started to locate ministers after seeing that part of the Great Commission is to go and preach and then heal the sick. I thought, man, I'm not getting anybody healed. I want that. And then the Lord started putting people in my path. Like my Uncle Ted that would pass an offering plate and say, everybody that has a hearing aid in one or both ears, put it in the offering plate, then line them up and watch 33 people get their ears opened in one night. And then him lay hands on, and then ask, I want that. And him say, go bow your head. I'm going to pray for him. Put his hands on me. Father, begin to use my nephew in those gifts of the Spirit. Everybody say spiritual gifts. I wrote a publication at the beginning of the year. I'll just get into this since we're on gifts anyway. That if you read the book of Genesis, it's a very interesting story. That Abraham wanted a wife, a bride for his son Isaac. Abraham is a type of the father. Isaac is a type of the son. And he wanted a bride for his son. And he sent his unnamed servant, a type of the Holy Ghost. I'm not making this up on the fly. You read a Catholic theology book, Presbyterian theology book, Baptist theology book, they'll all tell you the same thing. Abraham, the father of the faith of all who believe, wants a bride for his son Isaac, sends an unnamed servant representing the Holy Spirit who spoke not of himself but of his master back into the carnal land that he left to go and get a bride for his son. Who is the church? The what of Christ. So the Holy Spirit comes into the world to go bring the bride back to the son. And when he came, the Bible says he came with camels bearing gifts. Nose, ring for the nose, earrings for the ears. Can you say amen? amen? And loaded her down with gifts. And when she saw the gifts, the camels both gave her strength because it wasn't a little hike. It was through the desert. The camels that were brought by the Holy Spirit both gave strength for the journey and gifts to deck out the bride as they made their journey from the old land back to the promised land. And so when you study that type out, God not only sent the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit comes bearing gifts. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 tells you those gifts. And then beyond those gifts, there's signs and wonders to get the job done. In Philadelphia, when we organized our first crusade, and I played that when I was here two years ago, in fact, I was here before the Lord started opening up crusades. So you followed me on the journey. It was amazing how we got the permit, $7,500, for one of the worst parts, not only of Philadelphia, but in the nation, for violent crime and all that. And then they find out that we're going to be preaching, that it's not a night of worship, that it's not just giving out food, that we were going to preach the gospel. And the guy that's the head of permit says, then there's a new price. It's now gone from $7,500 to $40,000 plus an $8,000 fee on top of that to clean the park. 
and then got this look on his face like, so there. You know what that let me know up front? The devil thinks he can intimidate God's people by raising the price of things. But he was too late for me. When my God sneezes, he has more than $48,000 come out of each nostril. My God owns all the silver and all the gold. And he's looking to bless you so that you can triumph in this earth. I'm not taking an offering right now. So you start talking too long about money. People are like, wait a minute. Hold, the, hold your purse, honey. And don't worry about it. And so when he, when he said that, the new price is $40,000 plus an $8,000 cleaning fee. Uh, and got that look on his face. I said uh, to my crusade director, ask him, would he like it in cash, gold, silver, or diamonds? Because I didn't have any of the four, so it didn't make any difference to me. But you'll do well in life talking big. Talking like your God is behind you. Because what would the devil have wanted me to do in that situation? 48,000, you know we're just a, a charity. I'm only 30, at the time, I'm only 34 years old. Where am I supposed to get that kind of money? You don't talk like that. Amen. Because you're not representing yourself. You're representing a big God. El Shaddai, the God of more than enough. Everybody say, talk bold. Yeah, so you speak bold to people like that because they're representing the devil. You don't talk to the devil like a gentleman. So I, we said that, and then you don't know how you're going to get the money. Then the Lord speaks to me. You know, I already was on the hook for $100,000. Now it's like 143. So the Lord spoke to me like Pastor Daniel alluded to last night. Jonathan, your tendency would be to hold as much money as you can, cut back on expenses. Instead, begin to give. I'm going to start speaking to you to give. Because this happened in May, and the meeting's in August. Never put anything on Facebook. Please keep us in prayer. And need prayer. Needed money. And nowhere in the Bible is prayer the seed for money. Giving is the seed for, for, for money. Give and you shall receive. Not praying you shall receive. And so, so I'm in these meetings. Like I'm preaching for a guy in Worcester, Massachusetts. He's got a little building that, that he leases. There's probably about 40 people there. So in the natural, you would think, okay, how am I going to, let me start preaching on giving, and maybe there'll be a miracle. The Lord said, no, don't even, here's what to do. Take all the offerings normally. Don't tell the pastor. Take them like they're take, you're taking them for you, and then give them to him. So all the offerings come in at the end. I said, I want you to know this. I'm paying the lease for this church this month out of this offering, and the next month, and then I'm giving the rest to your pastor. They had just started the church from Africa for him, for him and the wife for their salary. They're all rejoicing. That don't make any sense. You can't sit down at a boardroom table and explain that to Harvard Business School. What's your plan to get $143,000 when you only took in 108 all of last year? Now you need that extra to come in in three months. Everybody say the blessing. Everybody say gifts. Yeah, that's what the purpose is. If you want to do something in this life, you better not regard the gifts and blessings of God lightly. You should say, Father, I want you. And I desire your gifts to abound unto me. Can you say amen? amen. Can you say a better amen? amen? So I give that I give that all away. Then I go to the next thing, which is a youth camp. And at the summer youth camp, it's the guy who gave me basically my start in the ministry. It's his 25-year anniversary for being the youth director of that district. And I felt, you know what? Let me do something. I'll give him $2,500. And then the night I announced that, I said, this is his 25th year. I want to give you $2,500 personally. 
Because, you know, my, my family's in the Assemblies of God. They'll give you, like, a, a pen that says, like, congratulations. But I, 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 wanted, to, I wanted to give him something that would, would bless him. So I gave him that. And, you know, you start getting in the mood. To, you start giving and start doing it in the anointing. You get in, like, there's, like, a giving grace that comes on you. So then I looked back, and there was this guy on the keyboard who had been so anointed the whole week. He was a church of God in Christ. Uh, uh, he's a black guy from the church of God in Christ. His, grand, his grandfather was like a bishop, and he played. It was anointed. So I said, you know what? You've been such a help to me that I'm going to give you $1,000. And then I said to one of the other singers, I'll give you 500 And then I gave 500 to the sound man because he did such a good job. I ended up giving like five grand away that night. Well, I know how much you get for preaching the Pendel Youth Camp. Back then it was like, I think like $1,200, $1,600. So now you're in the hole. You know, doesn't make any sense to the natural mind. The carnal man cannot receive the things of the spirit. It's on a different plane. So then I, I give that to them. And then when they hand me the 1200 might as well just give it away. I said, no, I'll sell this back into the camp. Oh, thank you. Because otherwise... You leave, me- you know, how am I supposed to pay 143000 Instead of doing that, if it's not big enough to meet the need, use it as seed. And I, I did that one other time. I can't remember. So I, I, I did three things that were really like putting a noose around my neck in the natural. And then it started erupting. I get a text message from a pastor in Missouri who said, I just felt to send you $8,000. Amazing how people just start feeling because notice what Jesus said. If you give, you, uh, uh, Luke 6, 36 to 38. If you give, you will receive. Pressed down, shaken together, and running over, I will cause men to give to you. I'll put an onus on people that they'll feel like giving to you. And, and you know it's true. I've, to, I've told this before. One of the clearest times I ever saw it. This lady comes up to me. I wasn't even preaching at her church. I was just there like because it's Sunday and I'm a Christian. So I'm in like the fourth row. She comes up to me, Jonathan, you're at our church today. I said, yeah. She said, I had a dream last night that you that I was going to give you $250 at church today and I saw you. Here, here's $250. Well, you know that's the Lord. If I had a dream I was going to give somebody $250, I'd just wake up and go, whoo, glad that's a dream. <laughs> but to have the dream and then do it, that's the Lord. I said, that's the Lord. So that guy sends me 8,000. Then this guy that's 80 years old from Tulsa, Oklahoma, now he'd probably be about 86, who used to travel with Kenneth Hagin. I met him one time for less than 10 minutes at a lunch, never even told him I was an evangelist. And he calls our office. I want to send in some money, but uh, I don't feel comfortable using the internet. You know, an older guy, I want to send it like a certified check. So they give him the address. And we get, I want to send some money. Well, some money was $25,000. So you all learn then some money means different things to different people. When my dad said, I'm going to give you some money to take that girl out for ice cream, he did not give me $25,000. Give me like $4. 25, 8, that's 33. Then I go down to preach in Texas 10 days before the meeting's going to start, still, you know, believing for 15000 to come in. $8,000 cleaning fee. Wish you could have seen that park. That park hadn't been cleaned since William Penn got the land grant from Queen Mary to settle Pennsylvania. PCP pipes, needles. Because I went there a week before the meeting started. I would go there and walk the property to pray and pour oil on the field. Because brother, and, and claim it, Father, 
anyone that, spe- that steps on this field, let them be arrested by the anointing and let them be unable to leave without giving their life to Jesus Christ. But, the, you know, I would come after I had finished preaching in New Jersey, drive there 30 minutes away, plus, you know, I preach long. So by the time I got there, it'd be like 12, 15 at night. There were open drug deals going on in the park. I'm in a suit with a loosened tie. People look like lions look at meat. Like if you're going to say, who in this picture doesn't belong? It was me. And then they can't figure out what I'm doing. I got a thing of Goya olive oil drizzling it on the field like I'm preparing to fry it up with some garlic. They just look confused. You know, that's the great thing about the Holy Ghost. It confuses the enemy. When David came with a sling and stone, Goliath was confused. He knew how to deal with a sword. He knew how to deal with a shield, but he had never seen weaponry like David had before. Am I a dog that you come at me with sticks and stones? Uh, This ain't sticks and stones, buddy. I'm going to plant this in your head. And you think about it. All all of the weaponry and, and armor that Goliath had was not for what God had armed David with. And Saul... And I don't mean to be preaching like types and shadows. I don't know why the Lord has me going in this direction. But Saul is a type in the Bible of the flesh. He actually got his kingdom stripped from him and given to David because David honored the anointing and Saul despised the anointing. So what did Saul do to David? Don't fight him with that. Take these traditional weapons. So there's always a system that will try to get you to lay down the weaponry of the Holy Ghost and the gifts of the Spirit to do war the old school denominational way, but it doesn't work. And if you'll make up your mind to not lay down the weaponry of the Spirit, God will equip you with something to win the battle that the devil doesn't know how to stop. Somebody say it out loud. Say, equip me tonight, Lord. Say it, say it from your gut. Equip me, tonight, Lord. Equip me tonight, Lord. That's what God's going to do. That's what impartation is. So Goliath, I mean, David must have got happy when you're my dog. That he thought, man, he doesn't even know what this is. And then everybody's saying how big Goliath is. Yeah, that would have posed a problem if you were coming at him with a sword. But when you're coming at him with what David was coming at him with, look how big he is. David's going, I know. I can hit a milk bottle at 100 yards. He's got a head the size of a Toyota Prius. So what was a disadvantage in the flesh became an advantage in the spirit. That's the Walk in the spirit. Live in the spirit. Walk and live in the spirit. Three times in a row, Galatians. Walk in the spirit. Live in the spirit. Third time, walk and live in the spirit. If you get out of the anointing, the devil can mess you up for free. But if you stay in the anointing, the Bible says light came into the world and the devil could not comprehend it and the devil couldn't do anything about it. That's what God is calling his church back to, to say we're not ashamed of the Holy Spirit. We're not ashamed to be filled with the Holy Ghost and we're not ashamed to be on fire. For God, if that sounds like you, take 30 seconds, clap your hands, all ye people, and shout unto God with the voice of triumph. Come on, let it rip. The devil is defeated. 
Jesus Christ is Lord. Somebody shout hallelujah. Just like what would the fleshly way have been of the problem I was in? Start a GoFundMe account. Start whining and begging. Facebook brethren, we've come up against an obstacle. There's someone in the permit office that's now raised the price. We really need your help. That's the flesh. But the spirit is much better than the flesh. It's actually not even a comparison. So I go to Texas 10 days before the thing's going to start, still believe in God for $15,000. And uh, a guy, this older guy in Texas calls me aside. He said, Jonathan, I wanted to give you something. Now, bear in mind, nobody knows anything. I haven't put anything on Facebook, nothing in a newsletter. Just told the Lord. When, when, when I got off the phone with that guy from the permit office, and he said it's going to be $48,000. When I hung up the phone, I said, Lord, you heard how he talks. He thinks you're broke. I thank you that I know otherwise. Over to you in Jesus' name. It's not my name that's on the line. It's your name that's on the line. And your name is high and lifted up. Can you say amen? God is a mighty God. So he pulls me aside and he has a check folded in half. He said, I felt to give you something. So he gives it to me. And, you know, my mother raised me with enough class to not, like, look right then. So I just said, thank you very much. I receive it. He said, no, I want you to look at it. Let me just give you a little secret in life. If people want you to look at it in front of them, a lot of money. If it's folded like 12 times into an origami giraffe, it's a little bit of money. Can you say amen? He said, I want you to look at it. So I opened it up, 100,000 to me. And I was like so stunned, I don't even think I react. I called my wife's sister over Magalas. I said, because she ran our accounts back then. I said, take a look at this. She took a look, you know. I'm white. She's Puerto Rican. I reacted like a white man. She lost her mind. I mean, it was like an old school prices right highlight video. Hoop earrings going everywhere. The devil tried to squeeze me for 48. And God gave me 133 in about three weeks. The more, listen to me, I'm telling you this as a fact. I could prove it all through scripture. The harder the devil tries to squeeze you. What is there, a World War I fighter pilot? Boy, God's sending everybody in. Snoopy's coming in on a plane. Going to be a good night. The harder the devil tries to press you, if you'll stay in faith and stay in the spirit, the greater the reward will be. Can you say amen? amen. Turn to Hebrews 11.6 before we go back to Mark 16. Hebrews 11.6. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. For anyone who wants to come to him properly. Now think of this. Coming to God in faith stands equally on two pillars. Just like if you have a chair with four legs and you take one of the legs out, you might as well take all of them out because it won't work anymore. 
If these two things are not intact, then you can't come to God successfully. Anyone who wants to come to him, in one translation it says, come to him successfully. Because you can come to God and get nothing. Ask Cain. He gave an offering, got rejected. Abel got, brought one and got accepted. There's a way, there is a protocol to come to God. If you come to God, and some of you grew up in churches like this, I've been to churches like this, where they'd start the meeting off, how many of you are having a hard week? And everybody would put their hand up, and then they'd sing a slow song, and those, the Spirit of God would never move in churches like that because it's a violation of how God said his house is supposed to be run. In fact, if you read in the Old Testament, it says that no one that is suffering from depression is allowed to serve at the altar. Now, God will deliver you, but you had to have joy. And the Bible says the protocol of how to come in. Psalm 100, verse 2. I will enter his gates with? What a smart group of people. For real, you know your Bible. I will enter his gates with thanksgiving. So how do you enter? With thanksgiving. The Bible says, in everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Then in another place it says, give thanks in all things. Not for all things. Well, they just diagnosed me with a disease, but I think, no. You don't give thanks to God for it. You give thanks while you're going through it, and your praise will provoke God's hand to destroy it from your life. Hallelujah. This is a great church, man. I will enter his gates with what? And I'll come into his courts with? Praise. Praise is not worship. Praise is, if you study in the Bible, you can pray quietly. It is scripturally impossible to praise quietly. The Bible says, shout unto God with the voice of triumph. The Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. The Bible says in 1 Samuel 5, the shout of the Lord was in the camp. When they marched around Jericho's walls, they praised God at the top of their lungs, and the walls fell flat, and they went in and took the city. Let everything that has breath praise ye the Lord. I'll just throw this in for free. Whatever you go through in life, the enemy's end game is to get you to lay down your praise. That's why the Bible says the devil comes to steal, kill, but he's not done when he kills. What's the third part? There's a lot of people in Alaska that have dealt with death, that have had to bury their young son from drugs and had harsh things come. I want you to notice, the devil's not done at death. After death, he wants to use that death to split up your marriage, to put you on medication because you can't function. And everything the devil does is to try to get you to lay down your praise. But anybody can praise God when they're in a meeting with good music. But if like Paul, after they beat your back and throw you in prison, you lift up holy hands unto God and begin to sing praises, God will send an earthquake, knock off every chain, open every prisoner door, and set every captive free. Let everything that has breath praise ye the Lord. So if you don't lay down your praise, the devil has no strategy to take you out. I said if you won't lay down your praise, the devil has no strategy to take you out. How many of you have ever been here when Dr. Morocco is here? You know, whether it's Dr. Morocco, if you start getting around older men of God that are successes, 
and birth churches and have ministers that are sons all over the world, they're all the same, every last one of them. All they do when you drive in the car with them is mumble. Well, praise the Lord. Well, glory to God. Well, praise God. When you go out with Dr. Morocco, he'll say praise God. It's, it's almost like as another minister. I'm like, seriously? Uh, Dr. Morocco, just so you know, we have a special today. We have calamari deep fried with a marinara sauce. Well, praise the Lord. You know, that's scriptural. In everything, give thanks. And it, you, you can't even compliment guys like that. You try, try to compliment Dr. Morocco, it's the most frustrating thing that you'd ever do. Dr. Morocco, that's a nice navy blue suit jacket. Well, we praise the Lord for it. Seriously. Dr. Morocco, I like your vehicle. Well, God's been good to us. Everything gets, it's like, okay, you know what? I'm not even going to talk to you. I'll just praise the Lord with you. Because if I talk to you, you just deflect it back to God. And what happens? You go from one church on Maui to 250 churches and growing because if you won't stop praising, you can't stop growing. Let the redeemed of the Lord praise. So the Bible says there's protocol how to come to God. Anyone that wants to come to them successfully, Hebrews 11:6. 6, so there's protocol how to start church. And there's protocol how to come to God successfully because everybody that has a good heart doesn't get in. Ask Cain. He gave an offering. It was rejected. He didn't do it right. So anyone that wants to come to him must do two things equally. Must believe that he is. And he, well, you don't lose too many people on that. I believe there's a God. But even the demon, it's not just believing that, there, it doesn't say must believe there is. Must believe he is. He is what? No, no, no. He is. That's the first thing by itself. Who is God? If you want to know who God is, because number one, he said, I'm the Lord God and I change not. He never changes. So you can see who God is just defined by his names. How can you be a church that believes God doesn't heal? When he didn't say, I'm God and I like to heal, he said, I am Jehovah Rapha. I am, my name is the Lord who heals. So number one, you know he's a healer. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord that provides. El Shaddai, the God of more than enough. Jehovah Sitkanu, the Lord my righteousness. You see that he's righteous, that he's holy. One is the God of victory. He's not a God of sitting in the valley for 30 years. He's a God that pulls the beggar from the dunghill and sets him among princes. Can you say amen? Can you say a better amen? So number one, you know that he is who he said he is. He's a prayer answering God. You know, you get around other people. How many you know sometimes we pray and it, it, sometimes he says yes, sometimes he says no, sometimes he says wait, but his timing is perfect. Uh, what scriptures are those? You read the Bible from cover to cover in any translation you'd like. You will never see one place where it says sometimes he says yes. Sometimes he says no. Sometimes he says wait. So the reason I'm not glossing over this first one is if the devil or religion or the devil through religion gets to skew who God is. Well, sometimes he says no. The Bible says we have this confidence that if we ask anything in line with his will, if he hears us, he will answer us. 
Ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door shall be open. For everyone who asks receives. Everyone who seeks finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door is open. Say, my God is a prayer answering God. Well, you know, ultimately it's up to him. That's not in the Bible. He said, ask what you will and I will give it to you that your joy may be full. That's what he said. That's what God said. Amen. And everybody that turns away from that ends up with a little old dilapidated church with 31 people. And even though the church has been paid off since 1908, they still have to shut it down because they don't even have enough money to pay the heat bill. Jesus is in charge of the church. And if you start preaching something that he's weak, that he doesn't heal, that he doesn't bless, that he doesn't do the things that he said he loves, that he's not righteous, that he's okay with sin, you will do that to appeal to the world and you'll actually lose more people and get shut down. But if you come to a church that has 20 or 30 people that can barely afford to pay the heat bill and you stand up delivered from drugs and start preaching that God is a God of signs and wonders and what he did for me, he'll do for you. Then you go to one service, then two service, then three service, then build a big building up on a hill to stick it to the devil because God builds the church that preaches his word. Go ahead, take 30 more seconds. Clap your hands, all ye people. Shout unto God with the voice of triumph. Somebody shout hallelujah must believe that he is. See who he is. I don't, I don't believe prosperity is of God. I believe God likes poverty. So, Okay, so why did when Elijah found the lady that was down to one meal? Why didn't he steal her food and burn her house down? There's miracles of provision in the Bible. He's a God of signs and wonders. And he'll do signs and wonders of provision. I said he'll do signs and wonders of provision. There's getting ready to come people that don't even know the Lord that are going to drop off huge sums of money at this church to quickly complete the work that the Lord has given to be done. It'll actually be a sign and a wonder. Because you know what God wants? When somebody asks Pastor Daniel or one of you, how were you able to build the church that big and that quick and debt free? He doesn't want to hear about how you colored in a thermometer for 17 years on the platform. And, and he, actually, he actually doesn't want anybody else getting the glory. Well, we thank God because we have Sister Mary Williams. God doesn't want Sister Mary Williams getting the glory. God is a God of signs and wonders. Because when he does signs and wonders, even an atheist has to drop their jaw and say there is a God in Israel. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob who still does today what he did in the word of God. Signs and wonders point people to Jesus. Can you say amen? amen? You know, you watch what's going on in Nigeria with massive meetings. Over three million people in attendance. They don't even cover it on Christian TV because there's no lights and smoke machines. Three million people. How come those gatherings? They used to, 500 people used to be the largest conference that they'd have in all of Nigeria. That's like in the 80s. And then now it's up over three million in live attendance. What happened? Well, when a mother signs her daughter out of the morgue because she hears about the signs and wonders that are going on in that place and brings her cold, dead 10-year-old daughter to the meeting, 
And you know, it's not Africa in the 1880s. It's modern Africa. They say, you can't bring her in here. So they say, she says, where can I bring her? And they walk her up to a storage facility. And the mother puts her in the storage facility and sits with her daughter, believing for the God that she's heard about in that place to do a sign and a wonder. And Bishop Oyedepo takes the microphone and goes to greet the crowd, but instead something else gushes up out of his spirit. Is there no balm in Gilead? And the girl sits up and sneezes. People start coming. People start leaving mosques. You can go over to Uganda where they've had so many imams saved, not Muslims, the leaders of the mosque. If you look at the altar, uh, Robert Kayanja's church, you can watch it online. They started 77 days of glory where the Lord spoke to them to do 77 straight days of meetings. That's in a big city where people have all the things they have in America. They're tired. They have jobs. There's lots of traffic. All the not, I'm trying to think of a word you can say in church, cycling, cycling. All the stuff you have to hear. Do you, do, you, do you know? Do you know why you can't have meetings like this in most places? They don't have a pastor like you have that just doesn't care. This is, let's just have meetings. You start, I've been doing this. Jonathan, these are great meetings. Man, did you see that lady get out of the wheelchair last night? You know, man, we'd love to go more nights, but our staff, you know, I, I haven't even had a chance to do laundry. Burn the clothes. I've seen your clothes. They're not even worth washing. You start hearing people talk like that. You know, our, our, our people are tired. Give them some NyQuil. You know, our children's pastor, our youth pastor said that he's very tired. Okay, fire him. You know, he had to be with the kids last night for over three hours. during the. How long do you have to be with kids if you work at a daycare? How come people have this weak American commitment? But that's not here. I'm not preaching to those people. I'm preaching to crazy Alaskans who don't care, who don't care about sleep. Even the sun up here doesn't care about sleep. The moon's yelling at the sun right now. Hey, you've been up long enough. I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> and it rubs off on you. Amen. Amen. So people actually allow the pursuits of this life to get equal with their pursuit instead of getting hungry. But that for whatever reason, maybe because it's the last frontier, maybe because it's a different state than the lower 48. People here have a different commitment and a different love for the word of God. And I pray it never goes away. I pray TV never gets into your spirit and, rot, and what you have taped on your DVR or loaded up on Netflix. You know, you listen to these guys, and I hope they're watching on, on, on live stream. You know, our, our people have been tired, so we, need to, we probably need to wrap it up. You think they go home and go to bed at 9.30? They watch Netflix until the Netflix logo is burned into the screen. Well, Pastor, you know, it's been a lot of meetings. We need to get, yeah, what, are the, what is it, the Waltons? Everyone's tucked in at eight. Then wake up and fix breakfast with pearls on your neck. Give me a break. You know, we're actually going to cancel church this Sunday and just have like a family day. Oh, yeah, you are? You think all the families are going to be home playing Monopoly with each other all day? They're all going to be in a separate room of their house watching every foul thing on Tinder, working on a date, 
that their wife doesn't know about on the locked part of their phone. The Bible says, let me just deal with what the Bible says. The Bible gives instruction for the church. You should be meeting together more often instead of less often as you see the coming of the Lord approaching. And thank God, now, now that I've dealt with the negative enough, when you get a pastor like Pastor Daniel, who's unconventional like David, wild, and they try to talk you out of it, you can ask him. You know, you got to remember, you're a pastor. You need to have points that people can remember. If you like that, I can recommend 200 churches in the area. Three keys to having a cleaner kitchen. Stuff that has nothing to do with the gospel. Stuff that you could get for 10 cents in any library. What people need is power. You know who said that? Jesus. Jesus didn't say, wait in the upper room and I'm going to send an angel that's going to give you 10 keys to winning your city. He said, tarry in Jerusalem until you receive power. Everybody say power. Power from on high. And suddenly, they were all meeting in one room, in one, in one heart and one accord. And suddenly, there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm. And it filled the house where they were meeting. And suddenly there appeared, as it were, flames or tongues of fire on each of their heads. And they were all, everybody say all. all. They were all filled. If you were six, like I was in central Pennsylvania, or 94, like the Greek woman in Fitchburg, Massachusetts. I don't know what her real name is. I call her Yaya, which is Greek for grandma. Makes me cookies every time I come. Going back to see she's 95 or 96 who said she was in so much pain that she was thinking of killing herself. And her daughter got healed at the meeting and said, Mom, you should come. Brings her in at the time, 89 years old, and the daughter said, I had been to Catherine Coleman's meeting once in the 70s, and when we walked in, you could feel the electricity. She said, we walked in, her mother at 89 that had never been to anything but a Greek Orthodox church turned to her and said, I think Jesus is going to heal me tonight. Because she could feel his presence. She sits there. God heals her bones. She comes up and gets saved. She never misses a meeting. Is up and wide awake when I finish preaching. Makes me those anise cookies every time. I eat them till my foot starts to turn black. Amen. A cookie offering. Lord willing, I'll see her in June. Whether you're 89 92 or 6 years old if you get where God's presence is and you never let this world take your hunger away God will fill every hungry and thirsty person do we have any hungry people tonight you know isn't it amazing if you grew up with good parents your mother would take time making a meal and you'd come home and start picking at it and she would know immediately, where did you eat? What did you eat? Did you go with your friend and eat there? How come you're picking at your food? She could tell you, hey, because there was no problem with the food. You just didn't have any appetite. And there's a lot of people. That's what the world does. People start to fill their appetites with the things that are in the world. They start to love football. I played football. I know I don't have any muscles, but you'd be amazed how quick I can run when big people are trying to hurt me. 
I busted off a 62-yard run my senior year of high school, and when we reviewed the game tape on Monday, you could hear me screaming the entire run. <laughs> I did it on pure fear. <laughs> I, was, I looked like Walter Payton, but it was all adrenaline. <laughs> I was like doing moves I didn't even know I had. I played football. I played ice hockey. I did all those things, and I used to love TV and all that, but I'm telling you, you cannot let this world start to make it where you come to the church and start picking. What time is this normally over? Just leave now. You think you're going to lower God's self-esteem? Gwendolyn only stayed till 835. Really? No, he's the most high. We don't pursue him for his benefit. We pursue him for our benefit. And the Bible says, as a deer panteth for the water, so my soul longeth after thee. Yes, my soul searches hard after you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. I'm preaching this tonight because you're here for that reason. These crowds keep growing. The day services are barely lower than the night services. There is an unusual hunger in this place, and God is going to be able to shake Wasilla and the valley and Anchorage and go up into Juno and the whole state shall see the glory of God. Don't ever lose your hunger. I said don't ever lose your hunger. Hallelujah. We went five weeks at that meeting in Massachusetts. It was a 200-seater. It was a little smaller than this. You could jam 220 in there. We thought we were doing something great because it was full. We keep going. Five weeks, I think we started with 140 people. Pastor Brian Tomes, if he's on, would have to tell you how many we had saved. 287, 300 and some first-time decisions for Christ. They actually had to build another building. Now I think at Easter they had 860, 880. My pastor in Pittsburgh, same thing. <laughs> Rented the high school auditorium, didn't even have a building. They were at 60 to 80 every Sunday. Now they went back to that building. Not because they don't have property. They have two churches, but they can't fit everybody in both churches. So for Easter, they rented that high school auditorium that they used to have 60 to 80 people in an 800-seater. It's like a joke. And come back five years later and rent it out and have it jammed. 880 people in like a 900-seater. And those people say, wow, I can't believe it's the same church. God is on the move. You're not going to see CNN cover it. The devil, the devil will cover nine people at an Elizabeth Warren rally. Seven of them are there by accident. <laughs> Bill de Blasio announces he's running for president in the Democratic ticket, does a meeting in Iowa. Because, you know, Iowa, for whatever reason, you have to, like, do well in Iowa. He announces his first rally. There's 14 people. And they're giving away, like, free hot dogs and stuff. And then you have this here. You won't see a breath of it on the news. But it's going to hit a point, and you mark my words. I'm not saying this to get everybody to clap. You just remember I said it, that this thing is going to boil over in the United States to the point that they're going to have to see. They're going to have to report that God is shaking the cities and the counties and the states of this nation called the United States of America. You're not going to watch it happen. You're getting in on the ground floor. We are a part of this last day move of God where God blows by his spirit one more time through all the earth. Somebody shout hallelujah. hallelujah. 
Anyone that wants to come to him must believe that he is. Is what? Say, my God is a miracle-working God. Say, my God is a God of signs and wonders. Must believe that he is who he said he is. Well, I believe there's some power up there somewhere. That ain't it, brother. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Can you say amen? amen? He's a specific God. He has a form and a likeness. We are created in his image. Must believe that he is and that he is who he said he is. I don't believe God heals. You're out. He's a healer. He's a mighty healer. I don't believe he's a, I don't believe he cares about whether you have money or not. You're stupid. Because about half the miracles in the Bible are not miracles of healing. They're me. See, that's how suburban, I was going to say white people, but I won't. That's how suburban people talk. Well, you know, I don't think the money's that important. Yeah, it's not important to you. Because you, go, go down and try preaching that. In the middle of Central Africa Republic, where if the river dries up, people start starving it. People, man, are so, the reason there's a backlash against blessing is because in this country, you don't need God. They'll give you a loan if you have fingernails. There's food banks every 10 feet. America's the only country with fat, poor people. People ask you for money to buy a sandwich, they weigh more than me. Can I have money for food? Who should be feeding who? But, it, but it's not like that overseas. Overseas, somebody comes up and says, can I have money for food? Their ribs are showing. I was, in, I was in Puerto Rico, and a lady came and said, can I have money for food? I didn't have any cash on me. I had just opened a Red Bull and had like two sips. I said, I don't have any food, but I have the rest of this Red Bull. You know, in America, I said, get out of here, man. She took it and downed it right in front of me and said, thank you. Poor. Now, there's kids in that situation in, in this country because they're, they're, of the actions of their parents, and that's who I help. I said, that's who I help. But you go over and preach that, try preaching this, Amer try preaching that American gospel, try preaching that Presbyterian gospel overseas where you tell a lady that doesn't have enough food for her kids, well, God's not really interested in that. She doesn't want to listen to what you have to say. And it's not even in the Bible. When God found people that were hungry and they cried to him, Elijah came to that. Listen, because people don't know this kind of poverty in America. If you read 1 Kings 17 as an American, you'll never get it. But if you read it, like it's written, the woman told Elijah, I have enough food left for me and my son to have one last meal, and then we will die. Not we'll wait to die. It's a common thing in the third world to eat the final meal. You're not going to listen to your kids scream for five days and die. You eat the final meal and kill yourselves. Happens all the time. What did Elijah say? Oh, you only have a little bit of food left? Well, that sounds right because God actually is glorified in poverty. If God liked poverty, every Section 8 housing project in Anchorage would be in revival right now. Poverty doesn't bring people closer to God. Po Let me tell you, when people speak, I've been poor. When my dad started out in the ministry, he made $4,000 gross income, not after expenses, total income the first year. We had a deer run out from the woods and bash our car window in. We didn't have enough money to get it fixed. Put black electrical tape over it. That's what we drove in. 
bastion, joke-looking car. If you'd have, how many of you have seen my dad preach with red hair? If you'd have seen my dad preach when he started out, he looked like a young man going in no direction whatsoever. Looked like somebody you'd say, what's that guy even doing? Doesn't he know he has a wife and a son? Well, then it goes from wife and a son to wife, a son, and a daughter named Jessica, my sister up in Montreal that's born with a defective heart. We don't have any health insurance. My mother has to stay in the hospital for 31 days and rack up a $52,000 bill to the hospital that we can't pay. My dad go preach in a church to give him 100 bucks at the end of the week. Next church, a handshake, no money. Next church, a honey glazed ham and some green beans. And my dad said he would drive home from those meetings. And it would be like the devil was sitting in the seat next to him going, you see what's on that check, right? You know how much money you owe, right? You know you're going to be in debt the rest of your life. You need to get off the road and go provide for your family. When the devil moves in, especially in the beginning, he knows the destiny that you have, and he's trying to choke you out. Because it wasn't actually about us. It was about getting a guy to quit who was going to spend the next 50 years winning souls by the hundreds of thousands. And I want to tell every man, young and old, whatever battle you're going through right now, it's not about just you. The devil knows the great destiny that God has for you, and he's trying to get you to quit. But you shall not quit. You shall not be defeated. You will do great things for God and carry out his will. Come on, if that sounds like you, clap those hands and shout unto God. Hallelujah. And I was there, brother. I was there the day the God of signs and wonders showed up at our house in Pittsburgh. We get a letter in the mail. All letters were always bad news. My mom opens it up and starts crying. My dad goes, now what? You know, when you're used to getting bad news, it doesn't make you cry. So when somebody starts crying, it's like, that's another level. Then my dad takes it and reads it. He starts crying. I, that was the only time I ever saw my dad cry other than in the anointing. I said, Dad, what are you crying about? He said, just lift your hands and praise God, son. Well, I didn't know what I was praising the Lord for, so I just started the praising that I wasn't getting paddled because I was obeying. Amen. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. I know you're not allowed to spank kids. Uh, like in Massachusetts, this lady came up to me and said, we're not allowed to spank kids here. What would you do if you were me? I'd say I'd tell my kid, hop in the car, we're driving to Connecticut. You're getting a spanking. Amen. <laughs> There's always a way out. Somebody said, There's always a way out. <laughs> Hallelujah. Just pray, praise the Lord, son. Thank you, Jesus. Love you, Jesus. Then when he left, I picked up the letter and read it myself. My dad had paid the 52000 down to like 48000 over the course of years with the interest and all that, and then some company. We've reviewed your case and decided to take it. Old balance, 48,000-something. New balance, zero dollars, zero cents. We have paid it in full. God of signs and wonders. 
And I'm going to tell you, one act of God on your behalf will erase a thousand days of hardship. You won't even remember it anymore. Lift your hands all over this place. Every person that came in here with an irreversible situation, the Lord picks that thing up off your back and turns it around for your good. God, the devil's not going to choke you out with debt. The devil's not going to choke you out with sickness and disease. God is going to move on your behalf and you will do everything that God has called you to do whether the devil likes it or not. In Jesus' name. That's why money's part of the covenant. My dad didn't need healed. My dad was choked out by debt, like the widow. Couldn't make it. God gave my dad a way out. God gave my dad ideas that generated money that ended around that honorarium system. I won't go into God has a plan. If you'll listen to him, he'll get you out. He'll always lead you forward. Isaiah 48, 17. I am the Lord your God who teaches you to profit and leads you in the way that you should go. Oh, that you would have hearkened to my voice and your peace would have been like a river and righteousness would have rolled over you like the waves of the sea. I'm the Lord your God who teaches you to profit. God never leads backwards. God never tells you stay still. I don't know what to do either. God always has a plan for you to go forward. Doesn't matter how deep the pit is that you're in. Doesn't matter how bad everything's gone up until now. There is nothing the devil has done to you that God can't do something about it tonight. There is no pit you've fallen in that the hand of God can't reach down and yank you out with one prayer. doesn't take 11 years of praying. If you call on God, he will answer you and show you great and mighty things that thou knowest not. I'm just going to tell you right now, even if you want to have a bad year, you stayed in this meeting too long. From tonight through December 25th, you will see the goodness and mercy of God pursue you all the days of your life. If you believe it, shout, I receive it. Everybody say signs and wonders. Must believe that he is, and two, must believe that he is a rewarder. Of them that diligently seek him. Not that he might reward you. Well, we're to seek his face, not his hand. If you seek the face, you get the hand thrown in. He's a rewarder. Nobody ever pursued God at a loss. Nobody ever put God first and finished last. The harder you follow after God, the harder the things of God pursue you. It takes the blessings of God to prevail. I, can't, I don't have any plan to get $148,000 in two months. But God, what, you want to know what you're going to find out? You actually don't have to try to command blessings in, speak them in. Basically, if you'll flush out, that's what I am in the body of Christ. I'm like liquid Drano. <laughs> that all of the religious number two God. that got clogged in your system that makes you not want, blessings aren't important, whether he ever heals me or not, you'll die. Do you want to know what the Bible says in 1 Samuel? Please don't forget this. The Bible says, God said through Samuel, I will honor those who honor me, but I will reject those, not who reject me. It's not I'll honor those who honor me and reject those who reject me. It's I'll honor those who honor me 
and I will reject those who lightly esteem me. So if you, oh, I believe in prosperity, but I don't think it's that important. You'll never sniff it. Well, I believe God can heal, but at the same time, whether, okay, you'll die. You have to get like how I feel. If Jesus, before he went to the cross, you understand that God didn't throw his son to the wolves and just say, well, he needs to be crucified, and then on the way to the cross, just do whatever you want. No. On the way to the cross, they tied him to a post and laid his back wide open. And the Bible tells you that those stripes were not for our sin. If the stripes were for our sin, he wouldn't have had to go to the cross. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes. They laid on him. The Bible says surely he has borne our sickness. And carried away our disease in his own body. Every sickness or disease that the devil wanted to lay on me, Jesus took it on him instead. I mean, study it out. Crucifixion was supposed to take three or four days. How did Jesus die in six hours? So much so that the Roman centurion said, I know what they're doing. They said he's going to rise from the dead. He's faking. They're going to take him off the cross and then resuscitate him. I'll see to that. And then the sky goes black. And godly Jews start going out of their tombs and walking around. And he goes, okay, truly this was the Son of God. I've been killing people on crosses for a long time. They don't die like this. How did he die in six hours? Because all the cancer, all the whatever, you name it, diabetes, stroke, Parkinson's disease, you name it out. The Bible says everything that the devil wanted to lay on me, Jonathan, the more personal you make it, the more personal it will be for you. Everything the devil meant to lay on me, to take me out early, so that one day people would say, did you hear what happened to Brother Jonathan? It's a shame, isn't it? He had such a good ministry. No. Every plan of sickness and disease that was to take me out early, why is healing? Now we've dealt with blessing. Why is healing in the plan of God? Because you can't do anything for God broke. And you can't do anything for God's sick. You can't, you can't do God's plan for your life at 90%. You actually can't do anything for God much at 100%. You have to be at about 125% to run like God wants you to run. So the two-pronged attack of the devil is to choke out your money. And how are people going to get access to the blessing? Faith only comes one way. Faith cometh by. So what do you hear everybody say? Well, we believe in prosperity. We believe God blesses, but we don't, we don't talk about it, you know, because a lot of people, a lot of people can go to another church. The Bible says Paul told Timothy, Timothy, preach the word. Be instant in season. That means when people like it and be instant out of season when people don't like it. My people are destroyed for a lack of. And they're brought into captivity. They're in captivity. There's no captor. They're in bondage. There's nobody binding them. Because the priests in that day would not preach the word of God. There will be a famine in that day of the hearing of the word of the Lord. You go to church now. Christmas at the movies. Three keys to a cleaner kitchen. 
how to say no, the importance of time management. That ain't power to say. The gospel sets people free. Let me just tell everybody something while I'm on the subject. As much as there's a move to shut up about prosperity and healing and miracles, people should have God's best. And they'll never know what God's best is unless somebody preaches it to them. I've been sick. I'll tell you what's better than having somebody kneel beside you and put their arm around you and say, oh, thing. I'll tell you what's better is to have somebody crack this thing open and preach faith into your belly where you realize that Jesus paid a high price for you to be healed. He gave it as a gift. It's a blessing with my name on it, and I can take it by faith. I can pull it down by my faith and say it's mine. I take it now. Then my dad, making 4000 a year, struggling in debt, is in a district a sectional meeting for his denomination, and somebody gets up and makes a joke about Kenneth Hagin and Kevin Copeland, Says that's that Copenhagen doctrine. Then everybody laughed. So the next meeting my dad was in, he echoes it. He doesn't even know Kenneth Copeland, Kenneth Hagen are, is just stealing that guy's joke. That sounds like that Copenhagen doctrine. And he said when he said it, it was like the Holy Ghost punched him in the stomach, conviction. And it never left. And on the drive home, he said, what's wrong, Lord? And the Lord said, what you said about those two servants of mine is out of line. Send both of them an offering. And then digest all of their materials that you can. And I remember that, that time. Because when he sent the offering, uh, they sent him books. Then my dad started ordering more books. That was when the easiest way to get spanked in the house was to complain or say something negative. We started to learn about those things that they want to teach on. Death and life being in the power of the tongue. How you can thank God out of your mouth. And then instead of my dad just saying, well, I hope we get out of debt. He'd start speaking to the mountain of debt. I curse that debt in Jesus' name. I thank you, Father, that the windows of heaven are opening over my life. He did that for about a year and a half. Not only did the debt go away, but the windows of heaven started coming open. And I'm going to tell you the truth right now. I could stand here from now until the sun goes down, which is in September. I'm not joking. I could stand here flat-footed and tell you one supernatural testimony after another of how God made a way for our family where there is no way. So they can mock it on the media all they want. I'll preach it more. Because if you think the devil is better to his children than God is to his, don't tell me how high I can dream. Don't tell me where I'm allowed to set my faith to. Creflo Dollar writes his partners that his engine blew out on his plane and he needs to get a new jet so he doesn't crash and die. And the media makes it the number one story on Good Morning America. He never mentioned it from the pulpit. He told his partners, I need a plane. If you'd like to give, I'm challenging you. And you know what they said? This is when it all clicked to me. There's only a hundred jets of those jets made, and he's going to buy one. How come there's no special on the other 99 people? How come pornographers are allowed to get the jet and nobody says a word? How come casino owners are allowed to get the jet and nobody says a word? How come you could build a big casino up on that hill in Wasilla and everybody would be happy about it? 
How come you can make it a, a liquor store? You can make it a horse racing venue and nobody say a word. But if it's a church or a preacher, then they're shamed. You know what? I'm not ashamed. If anybody should have the good of the land, my God said, I will make you eat the good of the land. If the devil doesn't like it, it's too bad for him. Don't tell me how high I can dream. Don't tell me where I can go. Don't tell me how big my God can be. Whoa! Don't limit my God. Limit not the Holy One of Israel. We are the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're not here for permission. We're here on orders. We're here on assignment to do what God called us to do, to save a lost and hurting world. You are blessed in Jesus' name. You are blessed in Jesus' name. We serve a God of miracles. Don't let public school limit your faith. Don't let all the people on TV limit your faith. I live in this world, but I'm not of this world. I'm a child of the Most High God. He knows my name. He'll lift you up on high. If you trust him and line your mouth up with the word, God will take you where nobody else could take you. What no eye has seen, what no eye has seen, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, what's never entered in the heart of man, that will become the order of the day for you. My God is a good God. He's not that good. You don't know him. Hallelujah. Just lift your hands all over this place. There's teenagers in here that are doing great in school. You want to go to college and your parents have already told you, you know, we don't have the money for that. You have another father who owns all the silver and all the gold. Don't you dare lower your dreams to where your family's at or where you're at. You serve a supernatural God. You can dream big. And as big as you dream, it'll never be big enough to exhaust the capacity of the Most High God. This lady in row four in the black, blonde hair, bracelet, nose. Yes, step out into the aisle if you would. That's right, there's a fire. But this one you can't put out. <laughs> Lift both hands, close both eyes. Get ready for the second phase of your life. A chapter has closed tonight on chapter one, and now begins chapter two. And this is going to be a glorious chapter. You and God are going to write it together. You're going to enjoy the blessings of God. Enjoy the blessing. Enjoy the blessings of God. I said enjoy the blessings of God. 
You serve a living God. He owns everything. You're his son. You're his daughter. He cares for you. Ask of me and I'll give you the nations, the heathen of your inheritance. God's not limited. God's not broke. He's a super abundant God. I told you this morning there'd be people that would leave right at 9 o'clock no matter what. Told you I know what I'm doing. I know my business. It's 9 o'clock, you know. We can't say that. Ah. My God is a good God. That's right. When I say my God is a good God, you say yes, he is. My God is a good God. He picked me up. He turned me around. He set my feet on solid ground. My God is a good God. Too good. My dad goes overseas to preach. Leaves my mother with the money, which is not much, even less with him. They both run out of money simultaneously on the second, on the same day. My dad can't call my mom and say, send me more money. There's none to send. Simultaneously. My dad gets home from that mission strip, and we're fighting with each other about who gets to share the miracles. No, you got to hear what God did for me overseas. No, you got to hear what God did for us while you were gone. So my mom tells hers first. A preacher called us and said, I'm going to be swinging through Pittsburgh. Would you mind if I came over for dinner? with his wife and two kids, we didn't have enough left for us. So my mom just out of politeness says, yeah, you can come. She's got like some fish sticks left. You know, there's no food. It's Friday. Banks are closed. And so when she said, yes, you can come, she goes over to the living room in that mauve and teal chair. It's like 1990. And just bows her head to get ready to pray. And I was there, man. You're going to talk me out of prosperity. I watched it. Who, who was feeding me? The devil? You bonehead. These anti-prosperity preachers actually have more money than the prosperity preachers. That's a fact. Where do you think they live? In a trailer? They're hypocrites. They have it and don't want you to have it. But God's not a respecter of person. Anybody can have it. If God doesn't want people to be rich, then the book of Proverbs should be burned out of every Bible. My son, oh simpleton, listen to my words and I will show you wisdom's ways and you will walk on high paths. For my words give wisdom to the simple and strength to all who take them in. If it works for me, it'll work for anybody, brother. It'll work for you. Just make a note of everything your family believes that's the opposite of this and quit doing it. Well, we don't think you have to tithe. Who cares what you think? Did Abraham tithe? Oh, six people. Did Abraham tithe? I don't think I have to. Okay, keep it up. Let me know how it works out. There's a little girl here that's the coolest little girl other than my own daughter I've ever met. I go to walk out, minding my own business on Sunday. She's standing on on the... riser there, and she goes, excuse me, sir, that was a nice speech you gave today. I said, thanks a lot. 
Because not everybody thinks so. Google my name and you'll see. So I gave her that book my wife wrote on Esther. Next day, she's still here. Thank you for the book. You did even better today. I'm thinking about paying her as an intern just to travel with me and tell me how good I'm doing. So I get the other two books, the one on David and then the coloring book, and give them to her. Then she comes the next day, says something else. I can't remember. Oh, you know what she said? It was like, like, are you serious right now? I just want you to know, my dream was to hear you preach live, and now all my dreams have come true. Okay. I'm going to put you on salary. And she's like, serious, you know? You think somebody said that, they're like being sarcastic. So I gave her $100. You know what she did when she came today? She had the tithe of the 100 in an envelope with an offering and handed it back, 20 So I got another 100 and gave it to her. You know why I did that? To show that if you give, you receive. And if you keep doing it, I'll keep it coming back till you, I run out of money. And I haven't run out in 17 years. Hallelujah. God's on the move. That little girl's never going to shoot up a school, nor is she ever going to get shot in school. Your children are never going to go to jail. If they're in jail, God will get them out, and they'll never go back. Everything's going to start the same way God turned things around for my family. God's going to turn things around for you and for everything connected to you tonight in the name of Jesus Christ. If you receive it one more time, take 15 seconds. Clap your hands, all ye people. Shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Everything's turning around for your good. Somebody shout hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, my mom bends down to pray. Before she can get any word out of her mouth, the doorbell rings. I run over with her. A lady smoking a cigarette hands her a white envelope. And my mom says, who are you? We've never seen a lady before. She runs to the car. The car's still running. It's got a WDVE Rocks bumper sticker on it, which was the heavy metal station in Pittsburgh. It must have been an angel. Eh, I don't think so. Is that harp in one hand, Marlboro in the other? <laughs> mm, mm, I don't know. Not saying I'm an expert in angelology, but she no angel. So my mom goes, wait. And when she says, wait, she runs even faster, gets in the car and speeds off. My mother opens the envelope. It's Friday. Banks are closed. If it was a check for $10,000, it had done us no good. $380 in 20s. And in 1990, you could buy a lot of groceries for $380. We thought we were going to have to cut up fish sticks and split them six ways. And my mom rushed over to the grocery store, the Fred Meyer of Pittsburgh, which is called Giant Eagle, and bought steak and potatoes and salad and dessert. And we ate like kings. And I'm going to tell you one thing. When we said the grace, when we said grace over that meal, it's a little different. My father, thank you for the food. But we Father, thank you. You're such a wonderful provider. You put food. I was there, man. I saw it. You can do all the specials on CNN you want about the prosperity gospel. You can kiss my gospel grits. <laughs> what do you think? The, so the, the devil fed me then? 
Never saw that lady again. I'll tell you another one on the subject. My mother, <laughs> I'm telling you, man. the more I'm talking tonight, the more I feel like just traveling around the world for the rest of my life and telling people about God. He's so good. My, my mom, you guys will know about this if I try to share this down south. Like in Georgia, they don't know what you're talking about. But we get this thing called snow in Pennsylvania like you might get here. My mom's driving her old Volvo with my sister, and they slide off the road into a ditch in like, like kind of roads you'd have here, where once you get out of Wasilla and past Big Lake or whatever, you're in trouble. So she slides off, no cell phones, no OnStar, and she's in a ditch and before she could pray. I'm going to say before. God said there's a class of people in Isaiah 60, before they call, I will answer, and while they're yet speaking, I'll hear. She's in the ditch and doesn't know what to do, dark road, and a police car comes right behind her. And the cop car is from a place called Bentley, Bentleyville, which is not near there. Lights on, pulls in behind her, and the guy gets out. It's this guy. I hope he's watching. His name's Terry Openbright. I remember it. He gets out and says, Judy, that's you? Yeah. Terry, why are you here? Aren't you on patrol at Bentleyville? He said, I was on patrol, and I was praying in my car, and the Lord spoke to me that you're in trouble and told me what road you're on, and I came to get you out. Don't tell me about my God. You hear me on the media? Don't talk to me about who my God is. You don't know him. I know him. He's a good God. That taxi driver in Manhattan that was from another faith, I asked, I said, you still pray five times a day? Yeah. What's the greatest miracle you've ever seen uh, Allah do for you? It's one around. You're a Christian, aren't you? Yeah. I, I could tell by the way you talk. We don't expect, uh, no, mir no miracles. Five times a day since you were five years old, not one. I'd try somebody else. <laughs> I could sit in the back of your car and talk to you until you'd run out of gas. I'm trying to tell two, and they just keep flooding back from my childhood, not even one for me. That when I saw this, this God I was going to preach about was not a joker. He'll take care of you. I'll take good care of you. The sheep of my pasture, called by my name. So my dad says, okay, let me tell you what happened to me. He runs out of money on the same day in Germany, paid for all the missionaries to eat, they all said, thank you, Tiff, and went their way. And he goes out, he's got no money to finish the trip, walks out into the road and gets ready to pray, and a wind blows. And a wind's get, getting ready to blow tonight in your direction. Amen. When God blows a wind, it's over. Amen. When he gets ready to pray, he feels a bunch of leaves come up against his leg and stick like static electricity, so he tries to kick them loose, feels like trash or whatever. And it won't come loose, so he looks down. It's wadded up Deutschmarks before Germany went into the Euro. And my dad picks him up, and my dad's different than me. I'd have claimed the miracle right there. Finders, keepers, losers, weepers. Possession is not, you know, I know a lot of scriptures. Possession is nine-tenths of the law. My dad goes down all three alleys, seeing if anybody lost any money. There's nobody there. There's not even a soul. 
And then in Germany just begins, the same God simultaneously fed us in Pittsburgh and blew money. You know, that story is actually what's made me never really care much about how I take offerings or whatever. Because you actually realize God doesn't need people to give to get the job done. People have the opportunity to give so that God can get them in on the blessing. But if they don't, he'll blow a wind. He'll send a cigarette smoking heavy metal listening to lady. He'll do it a million ways. Because if my dad would have got out of debt or under debt and quit or starved out in Germany and quit, then he never could have gone to Pakistan last year. Near Islamabad. You know you're in for a challenging meeting when you're preaching in a city that's made up of two words, Islam and bad. It's illegal to possess a Bible. It's under full Sharia law. My dad does 10 cities in 10 nights, in and out, quick, three hours. People get saved. On the last night, they have the biggest crowd. My dad preaches, 25,000, all of them Muslims. And my dad gave the instruction, you know, you can't go, you go lay hands on 25,000 people. By the time you're done, somebody's going to have to lay hands on you. So you have to learn to release your faith like Brother Osborne did in a mass prayer. Everybody say, God of signs and wonders. Says if you're sick here and there's a lot of sick people, put your hand where the affected area is and I'm going to pray. And he prays. And he says, now, if the Lord's healed you, come up on stage. You're only supposed to come up on stage to testify, not because you need prayer. Well, these four sons bring their father, who's an imam, head of the mosque, everybody knows him, who's paralyzed, totally paralyzed. Bring him up on the stage. So through the interpreter, my dad goes, oh, you mean he was paralyzed and got healed? No. He's paralyzed. And they said... You know, like if what's your what's your preaching's too true, then have Jesus heal my dad. So my dad's like, well, that's not how it's supposed to work. But now everybody's watching. Basically, it's life or death. So my dad prays, and when he gets done praying, he says, "Now walk," and the guy can't move. So my dad hoists him. You know, the Lord protected my dad. My dad. How many of you have seen my dad? He doesn't blend in in Pakistan. My dad has red hair. He looks like he should be guarding a pot of gold in Killarney, Ireland. <laughs> he pulls him. He pulls him up out of the chair and says, "Walk in Jesus name." Still doesn't walk. So my dad starts to drag him. His dragging. And the sons get mad. Wait. Well, my dad, you know, has authority. Believe me, I know. My dad said, step back. And the son stepped back. And my dad started praying. Father, I'm in front of 25,000 Muslims in a jihadist country. You sent me here. And you said you'd back me. And before he can finish the prayer. And he walks. And the sons start jumping up and down. And out of the 25,000 people that were there, 25,000 gave their lives to the Lord Jesus Christ. You can't stop us. We're a mighty army. We're filled with power. We cannot be defeated. We shall not give up and quit. Stand up on your feet, everybody. Say, my God is a rewarder. Lift both hands. Say, thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. You, are a you are a rewarder. 
as I serve you, with all my heart, the rewards will never cease. Strange rewards. Countless rewards. Miraculous rewards. Will never leave my life. This lady in the second row, striped shirt, this married to my friend, I guess. Come right around. Lift both hands, close both eyes. Not only will the Lord give you the answer to what you've asked for, but any strain that it's taken on your body recently to care for others and weighed you down. It's not going to affect your health. Jesus' mighty name. Every hand lifted all over this place. I tell you as a servant of the living God, everything turns around for your good tonight. I mean everything. Try bringing something up that I haven't, you know, I'm not, my dad didn't get cleared of $500 of debt or $5,000 of debt. My dad got cleared of 50 grand in 90s money. Be like 200 grand now. God will take care of you. I heard a guy on Christian radio say, if you got yourself into the mess, don't expect God to get you out. Then we'd all go to hell, dummy. God's a God of mercy. Do you know what that means? Mercy is, I'll take care of you even if you were the one that messed it up. The only thing he asks is that you humble yourself. Humble yourself and I'll exalt you. I'll exalt you. He'll, he'll exalt you. Abraham, I will make you great. Got up, got up off the table prematurely. This lady in the second row in the teal shirt, just come right around. Power of God's all over you. I know in my spirit it was a battle for you to even get here tonight. As you pressed in, lift both hands, close both eyes. Your deliverance comes now. As quickly as it came, it left. You're free. There it is. Go right into you. Praise the Lord. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're going <laughs> to enjoy the blessings of God, God doesn't run a charity shop for the devil's children. He takes care of his children. Well, we're all God's children. No, that's not what Jesus said. Jesus looked at a whole group of people and said, you're of your father, the devil. If you love me, obey my commandments. Praise God. Look up at me real quick. I know I had you bow your head. I'm going to read this to you before it falls out of my Bible. Deuteronomy 28. If you fully obey the Lord your God. Everybody say fully obey. And carefully keep all of his commands that I'm giving you today. The Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the world. You will experience all these blessings. Not you'll believe in them, you'll have them. If you only obey the Lord your God. That's all you got to do. And all the commandments are summed up in two things. Love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. And if you do that, you'll keep all the commandments. If I love you, I'm not going to sleep with your wife, am I? If I love you, I'm not going to bear false witness against you in court to get money from you, am I? 
It's very simple. Love people with all your heart and love God with all your heart. And if you do, your towns and your fields will be blessed. Your children and your crops will be blessed. The offspring of your herds and flocks will be blessed. The fruit baskets and breadboards will be blessed. Wherever you go and whatever you do, you'll be blessed. The Lord will conquer your enemies when they attack you. They'll attack you from one direction, but they'll run from you in seven. Everybody say, the Lord will conquer my enemies. According to, the, according to the Bible, is sickness a blessing or a curse? A friend or an enemy? So even, it even means that the Lord will destroy sickness. The Lord will destroy poverty like he destroyed it for my father. Wherever you go and whatever you do, you'll be blessed. The Lord will guarantee a blessing on everything you do and will fill your storehouses with grain. The Lord your God will bless you in the land that he's giving you. If you obey the commands of the Lord your God and walk in his ways, the Lord will establish you as his holy people, as he swore he would do. Then all the nations of the world will see that you're a people claimed by God and they'll stand in awe of you. The Lord will give you prosperity. I don't believe in prosperity. It's right there. You can rip the page out. It's still there. The Lord will give you prosperity in the land he swore to your ancestors to give you, blessing you with many children, numerous livestock, and abundant crops. The Lord will send rain at the proper time from his rich treasury in the heavens and will bless all the work you do. You will lend to many, but you will never borrow. You will lend to many, but you will never borrow. You will lend to many, but you'll never borrow. You'll 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 lend to many, but you'll never borrow. If you listen to these commands of the Lord your God that I'm giving you today and be careful to obey them, the Lord will always make you the head and never the tail. You'll always be on top, never at the bottom. But you must not turn away from any of the commands I'm giving you today. Nor follow after other gods and worship them. All those blessings, and I preached on some of them tonight and gave you examples. They are all predicated. It's almost like a Big Mac. It starts like the three buns. The blessings are the meat and lettuce and sauce and onions. And then the three buns, if you'll obey me, if you'll obey me, and it concludes with if you'll obey me. It's a blessing sandwich. And there's three parts that have to be in place. If you will serve me with all your heart. America teaches you how to be a Christian that serves God with some of your heart. I have to work on Sundays. No, you have to be in God's house on Sunday. And now there's a whole group of people coming over to America called Muslims that they still will live for their religion like they did overseas. You can't make them work on Friday night. They'll just leave and go to mosque to pray whether they have permission or not. And then you have Christians that have adopted this if I have time and it fits in and it doesn't work. And then they'll, where's God? I never healed me. If you will fully obey me. And there's people here, obviously you've sat through a message, a long message. So I know you're not, you're not an atheist. You didn't storm out. You didn't throw a hymnal at me and run out the door. So it's not that you don't agree, but agreeing with God won't get you anything. Serving him with all your heart. And there's some people in the sound of my voice, there's one little area in your life you've never got under the dominion of God. The Bible says it's the little foxes that spoil your vine. Some people have one area of their life that is not submitted to God. Their sex life, no dominion over it. Alcohol, what they do on Friday and Saturday, what they listen to, I don't know. You know, they run through a litany of things. There's just one thing. That's still like your thing, and you're not fully submitted to God. I buried my son two weeks ago, 
died in less than 24 hours. And I was out on the road preaching again, and I told the Lord on the way out, you want to know why I'm out on the road preaching? I don't need money. I have more, more money than I've ever had. I could take the rest of the 18 months off. I said, I'm on the road because my number one thing is I am yours. I serve you. I don't just believe in you. You're not my savior. You're my master. And so just so you know, I'm always on call. And as you give to God, he that sows unto the Spirit will reap everlasting life unto the Spirit. It's actually your ticket out. Can you say amen? amen? I want to challenge you to give your life to the Lord like that, where he's everything. Brother Shambach used to say, Jesus will either be everything or he'll be nothing at all. Don't live American Christianity. Live Book of Acts Christianity. And God will give you the kind of testimonies that are recorded in here. What no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, what's never entered into the heart of man will become the order of the day for you. If you're here and you say, Jonathan, that's me. I realize tonight that I haven't fully given my life for the Lord. Or maybe you've never had the opportunity to give your life at all. But I don't want to walk out of here tonight with that. I want to leave here tonight and lay my head on my pillow and know my name is written in heaven. God's seal is on my forehead. I am the seed of Abraham. I'm blessed. My life belongs to God. I want to take care of it now. I want you to quickly put your hand up and wave it at me and we'll pray right now. God bless you. Keep it up. God bless you. God bless you. That's awesome. Very quickly, everybody lifted a hand. I'm going to ask you to do what the Bible says. Come out of the crowd and be separate. Join me at this altar right now in Jesus' name. Come right now. Come right to the front. Give God your whole life. Go ahead, right to the front. Hey! Where's your canes? Boy, I'm happy. I already came in here too happy, and that's not helping. Yeah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now the next time you go mini golf, and you won't even have to run a putter. Amen. Okay. <laughs> I like you. Lift both hands to the Lord. I'm no singer, but I feel that song bubbling up in my spirit. That's why I'm happy. That's why I'm happy. That's why I'm happy tonight. I got joy, joy, joy in my soul since Jesus made everything right. I gave him my old filthy garments. He gave me a robe of pure white. I'm feasting on manna from heaven, and that's why I'm happy tonight. That's why I'm happy. That's why I'm happy. That's why I'm happy tonight. I've got joy, joy, joy in my soul since Jesus made everything right. I gave him my old tattered garments. He gave me a robe of pure white. I'm feasting on manna from heaven. <laughs> Man, I feel like I could get raptured all by myself. I'm afraid to jump. I don't know if I'll come back down. 
Listen, I won't leave you standing here. I finished preaching on a night like, to the, like tonight where I felt like really good. This lady got up out of a wheelchair and I was like pumped. And there was this, it was in rural Indiana. There was one nice restaurant that served steak and I wanted a steak. I'd been fasting for three days for that lady to get out of the wheelchair. When she got out, it's time to eat. <laughs> so I was hoping it was open till 11, but it was only open till 10. I pulled up at 10.02 and I told, I told a dollar, shoot, we didn't have chameleon. I said, shoot. I, gotta, I guess we'll go to McDonald's or something, man. Boy, did I want a steak. And I felt the voice of the Lord, as clear as I heard it, call me in the ministry, say, go knock on the door. I knocked on the door. The guy opens it up. I said, you closed at 10? He said, we did. He said, are you hungry? I said, I am. He said, come in. So I signaled to Adonla. She stayed in the car. I said, come on. He, he said, sit wherever you want. I sat in a corner booth. We're the only ones in the restaurant. He doesn't take my order. He brings out a sample of appetizers covering the whole table. Wow. And I ate it with Adonis. And then he said, what kind of steak do you want? I said, a filet mignon. Adonis too, she got hers medium well. She used to get it well done. But then when we started dating, I mandated minimum medium well. Because it's a blasphemy to cook it like a hockey puck. You know. She told me what everybody that eats their steaks well done says. I don't like steak. I said, how do you eat it? Well done. That's why. It's not a hockey puck. It's a meal. Filet mignon. He brings a bunch of sides and then brings a sample of all the desserts. And I, I had money. I got my credit card out and laid it on the thing and said, thank you. He said, it's on the house. And I left the restaurant confused. Well, that was the first time. And then when it keeps happening, you just start getting less confused and start realizing God actually loves you. If he didn't spare his only son, how much more will he give you a steak dinner? Lift your hands to the Lord. I'll lead you in this prayer. Say this out loud from the depth of your heart. Say, Heavenly Father, I give you my life. Empower me. To live, to live for you. Give me a passion, me a passion. To, do to do what you've commanded. Take out of me, out of me. My, taste my taste for this world. Put into me, Put into me. A, hunger a hunger for your righteousness. For your righteousness. I, believe in my heart. I believe in my heart. You raised Jesus from the dead. I confess with my mouth, Jesus Christ is King of kings, Lord of lords, and my Savior. I'm not under the curse. Jesus has set me free. For poverty, I have wealth. For sickness, I have health. I'm not under the curse anymore. The blessings of Abraham are mine. I take them now. No more ups and downs. Just ups and ups. In Jesus' name. Keep your hands lifted. Just begin to thank God out of your mouth. Even in your seats, you can lift God, your hands and begin to thank God. Take 30 seconds. Just thank him. Let everything that is within me bless his holy name. Who forgives all my sins. Heals all my diseases. He ransoms me from death. He fills my life with good things. My youth is renewed like the eagles. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. This lady that has the flower in your ear, just lift your hands to the Lord. And also, at the same time, this lady with the flower in your ear, well, the Holy Ghost most likely it is that put flowers on their ears. Amen. Keep your right hand up and put your left hand on your belly. God gives you two brand new kidneys and a new pancreas. In Jesus' name. Be whole. More, more, more. There it is. There it is. There it is. In Jesus' mighty name. There it is. Too much. You're not going to grow old before your time. In Jesus' name. Welcome to the family of God at the altar. Your sins are all forgiven. God doesn't remember one thing you did before 9.30 tonight. So when you pray, you come boldly before the throne. You say, oh, no, God, you know, I'm at, Father, I thank you that I can be called your son, that I've been redeemed. And you said I can come boldly and then pray like that and then make your petitions known. Speak boldly. God's not embarrassed of you. He doesn't, hey, now, what do you want? Weren't you just at the altar a couple hours? No, he loves you. Loves you too much. Lift your other hand up. Be filled. That's it. Jesus, mighty name. Hallelujah. You with the no? Oh, it says no compromise. I thought it just said compromise. That's a good no compromise. Much better. Lift both hands. <laughs> Close both eyes. <laughs> oh, that's better. Your arm was over the no part. I thought. Well, Get your new shirt. No, no, I have no compromise. Now, everybody say this. Say, watch your confession. The Bible says death and life are in the power of the tongue. So anybody that has Facebook and for school, it says, went to the school of hard knocks, change it. You don't have to go to the school of hard knocks. Any lesson you learn through hard knocks, you can learn ahead of time right in here. Plenty of people already went through the hard knocks. Just read the story and do, do it right the first time. Amen. I said amen. amen. This lady with the nice glasses on, blonde hair, step around to the aisle. I promise I'll be done the night before the sun sets. Lift both hands, close both eyes. I know the Lord already has done a great work in you. I remember, I think I prayed for a year or two ago. And you can tell you've got, come a long way even since then. But I tell you, right now, it's like going to another level. Where now that you've won all the battles and got out and are going forward, now the Lord's going to accelerate you into your destiny. You will not be a peripheral part of God's plan in the Great Commission. God's going to start to open doors for you. There it is. Anybody that knew you 10 years ago that's going to see you by December, they won't even think it's the same person. Oh, come on now. That's right. Right there. Hallelujah. In Jesus' mighty name.
Alléluia. You know, it's hard being in the ministry. You're not doing it right. It's supposed to be super fun. Amen. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Everybody that's at the altar, lift both hands one more time. Since the joy of the Lord is your strength, receive a baptism of joy. Welcome to the family of God. No more ups and downs. Just ups and ups. No more one good month followed by six bad weeks. Glory to glory. Man, moving great. Pretty awesome. Now, I want to give you a blessing since I like you. Lift both your hands to the Lord. Now that God gave you your able body back and it'll keep getting more able. Now God's going to open up a good job for you. There it is. Because people get healed and then they get worried. I'm going to lose my disability. You make a lot more money. God never leads you back. He leads forward. It's not to be, health, you know, blessed and sick and now healthy and poor. Health and, you want to ask health and wealth preachers? I'm not a poverty and death preacher. Can you say amen? amen. Listen, tomorrow at noon, I'm going to lay hands on everybody who comes to the noon meeting. And so if you can't make it at noon, make it at noon. And if you've been coming at noon, then you'll be here at noon. But I'm not, I'm not going to, that's the good thing about doing two services a day. You don't have to shoehorn everything into one service. Just go with the flow and then pick up on the flow the next day. Welcome to the family of God. Amen. Don't miss two things. Don't miss tomorrow at noon and seven. And then also, and then Friday as well. And then make church your number one priority. Let your, boss, let your boss know, let your coaches know you are a full-time Christian and a part-time everything else that you're to be in the house of God. And in America, they can't fire you for that. If they fire you or they kick you out of a club or something at school, you call me, I'll hook you up with a lawyer, and soon the school will be named after you. Amen. <laughs> Give your new brothers and sisters a great hand clap and go back to your seats. Welcome to the family of God. Come on, give him a warm, warm hand clap. Big Alaskan welcome. Can you say amen? amen? Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. I'm going to receive an offering in about four or five minutes. You can leave her. She's my guest. Second Corinthians 
<laughs> she said, I'm the only one here. What happened? No, you got a buddy. All right. Look at you. Second Corinthians chapter nine. Verse six. Remember this. A farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves a cheerful giver. And God will generously provide all you need. But it doesn't stop there. Everybody say, all I need. Then it keeps going. Then you'll always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. New Testament. Well, God did that in the Old Testament, but in the New Testament, there it is in the New Testament. I'm the Lord God and I change not. I felt when I was preaching earlier and I said the thing about, you know, we had a dream to take the gospel open air and instead of preaching to 100 people, 150 people to hit 4,000 at once. And it was going to take, you know, when you go to do a different level, it takes a different level financially. And the way we got there was by giving like we had never given before. So I'm going to challenge you in your giving tonight a little differently, especially than most evangelists do. If I was a proper evangelist, which by now you figured out that I'm not, I would tell you how much our TV bill is, how much we need, but we actually don't have any need. And then secondly, I was talking to Pastor Daniel earlier today. You notice when Elijah came to the widow's house that was out of food, he never said one thing about his ministry. He never said, uh, you know, I'm getting ready to go confront the prophets of Baal and set Israel free. If you could help give, he said, thus saith the Lord, the cruise of oil shall not fail and the jar of meal shall not want until the famine's over and they ate from it the Bible says in 1 Kings 17, 16 no matter how much they used everybody say no matter how much they used no matter how much they used there was always plenty left over that's in the first version of the New Living Translation so if you're going to get if you have a big dream not everyone has a big dream but be honest if you have a And maybe you laid it down, but tonight when I was preaching and the gift of faith was in, you remembered your big dream. Nobody feels called to the ministry to have a church of 30 people. They get called to the ministry with a dream to like shake a nation and then somehow get doubted into having a little place and well, this is small. But if you felt God stir your dream again tonight, put your hand up. That you have a big dream that if God doesn't help you, you won't be able to make it. That's how God wants it. Your flesh always wants to get to a point where you have it in autopilot, but it'll never go that way. God always wants you to go to the next level. And so the thing I'm going to challenge you tonight is to sow, and at some point you're going to have to get like this. So why not be tonight? 
where people don't have to cheerlead an offering out of you or tell you about how their roof's caving in and it needs fixed, that you actually start to see how God wants it. God loves a cheerful giver that doesn't give out of compulsion. When I gave to that guy that had that little leased church, nobody asked me to. I heard the voice of the Lord for myself that this seed will be your ticket to get the 143. When we finished that crusade in Philadelphia, I know the ending now because it's, it's four years later. But at the time, I just never asked my accountant, Patrick, how much money we had in the bank. I thought, and so I started thinking worst case scenarios. I actually had a nightmare after we finished the crusade where I had to withhold everybody's paychecks for three weeks because we were out of money and owed money. And I woke up with like a sick feeling in my stomach. So finally, I got the guts to call Patrick and say, how much do we have in the account? And we had more in our account after we finished the crusade, all bills paid, than we did before it started. No matter how much they used, there was always plenty left over. So if you want to do a big dream, your flesh says cut bait. You know, we're doing a crusade. Let's stop feeding all the hungry children because we need that money. We didn't do that at a bottomed out. God works the opposite of how your carnal mind works. You think if you can hold everything, then it'll increase. But the Bible says there's he that keeps more than he should and it tendeth unto poverty. But there's he that releases and increases all the more. The more you give. Actually, they didn't give $10,000 to your church to help you guys. Pastor Daniel get that church built with or without me. I gave to help me. The more I give, the more I receive. Boy, I heard Jonathan had a guy come into his meeting and give a million dollars. I've never had that. Start giving and watch what happens. God, God will actually get the attention of a billionaire, put him in the meeting and say, chip him off a million. He, he's due a harvest. And it gets quiet. You want me to stay with thousands? You can receive that better. Start doing millions. Like, I liked him. I liked him up until 947, but he used the M word. So I'm going to write a negative review on Facebook. If you have a big dream, instead of trying to make a seed, a seed your harvest, make it a seed. Ask the Lord what would represent, we'll call it a dream seed, that I'm going to give this with the expectation. I'll just give you one example. This is from somebody else's life. When I started those, by the grace of God, when we started those two churches in Maui, there was a girl that came on the trip to help us that had $1,500 saved up to begin school in uh, Wellesley, Massachusetts. She had a real good school. Her parents were not Pentecostal, so it's not like they were going to be real happy that she gave away all her tuition money to a young evangelist. And while I'm preaching and taking the offering, she feels the Lord speak to her to give all the money she had saved up for her down payment. You know, you needed a minimum of $1,500 to get back in. And she had earned it herself. And the Lord said, put that in the offering. Well, this is late July. School starts like August 10th. So she's not going to have a chance to earn it back. And she does it, gives it that night. And when she wakes up in the morning, there's a voicemail from one of her teachers in high school that she hadn't talked to since she graduated three years ago. Not a Christian. Jessica, for some reason, I had a dream about you last night. And I felt in the dream, in the dream I paid your college tuition. And I, would, I called your parents to track them down to find out where you're at, and I got your number, and I want to pay your tuition. And he wired her 
within 24 hours when she gave the 1500 15000 to pay all the tuition. So I say that because, I'm, and it, you know, I'm sure Pastor Daniel has stories like that in me. A lot of times the Lord will speak to you about an amount that you've saved up to be a down payment or something. But just know when the Lord speaks to you about a seed, He's actually trying to get you out of the system of being the borrower and put you on top where you're the lender. So if you're going to get to where you've never been, you have to give what you've never given. That's the way it works. But God will never speak to you. And again, I'm talking to you about your dreams and you set the bar. I don't know how I could put you. How do I put you under any less pressure? Then all our bills are paid and we have money in the bank. I already told you as far as personal salary goes. I actually, when, when Adonis and I just went through a pretty difficult time, and I felt, since where a man's treasure is, there's heart is also. When you go through a hard time, if you let it, it could let you detach from God. So I actually thought, I'll do the opposite of what the devil would want me to do. And so I, without telling my wife, because you know I'm the husband. I'm not a TV commercial dad. I'm a 1980s dad. Amen. Dad's always the dummy in all the TV commercials. Dad, you've been using too much phone data. We're going to take your phone away. Try to take my phone away. I'm not one of these new whipped men. Amen. And God told Abraham, leave your father's home in your native country and go to the land that I'll show you. And Abraham said, let me check with Sarah and we'll see whether we can or not. Uh -uh. The, the husband's the high priest of the home. Can you say amen? Probably should have taken the offering first before I got into that. Anyway. So I told the Lord when I was at my church praying after we went through a little bit of a test. I said, just so you know, Father, to show you that I love you, I emptied an account that we had, which I think we had 18000 in it, and I just rounded it up to twenty, which is kind of embarrassing to tell you this. That, that 20000 I left myself about 4000 just to have money in the bank to pay bills and stuff. That's personal money, not ministry money. So if the devil wants me to be sad right now and kind of back away, instead I'm going to give you the largest personal offering I've ever given. So that was not ministry money. That was my, my money. Just to show you that I still love you and that you have my heart more than you've ever had it. And the next day, it was actually before we could even get the check out, we got a letter from a church that I hadn't preached at in two years. Jonathan, we heard what happened. And so we took an offering for you on Sunday and $25,000 came in. And then we added to it from our savings, $25,000. This is not for your ministry. This is for you personally. And the 20 became 50 before you could get it out of the account. Jonathan, are you saying that if I give money like that, that's going to happen in, the, in 24 hours? I'm not, not saying it. I'm just telling you how it works. When God speaks to you about giving, a farmer doesn't plant a seed so he can dig the seed back out of the ground in six months. You plant a seed and you reap a harvest that's 100 times more than what you've planted. If you believe it, you can keep peeping. Amen. Someone's agreeing in the parking lot. That's good, preacher. So just, amen. Oh, you're preaching now. You watch what God will do by Friday. So just ask the Lord what would represent a seed to make your dream come true and give it. And do it in an expectation that God is a rewarder. God, whether you ever do it or God, as I plant this, I know that you're a rewarder. And I thank you that the harvest is guaranteed. Amen? Amen. Please welcome. I know people all say they have friends. My friend. I have like six friends. 
When I write my Christmas cards out in December, it takes me like four minutes. So please welcome one of my six friends to properly close out the service, Pastor Daniel Bracken. Come on, put your hands together for Jesus. Ushers, once again, would you bring the buckets up to the front? Oh, yes, please. Let's serve everybody. Envelopes, if you'd like that. There's four different ways that you can give securely tonight, and they'll put that up on the screen. So many people online. You can give online. Amen. The entirety of this offering goes to our guest. Amen. Be healed. What great services. So then we could change the song. I am here for blessings. Something like that, isn't that right, Hannah? I thought it was funny. All right. Started, started the whole service, our song that he hated. I still like the song. I don't care what you think. Amen. But it is true. It was blessings. God wants to bless you. What a powerful service. Amen. You ready? Ushers, would you come? Again, you can give online. We had so many pastors online tonight. It was astounding. So how do you know that? Because I look at my phone, just kind of review it. You can put the buckets evenly spaced. <laughs> Pretty good. Hold your offering up to the Lord. If you're giving electronically can come and tap the side of that bucket like my beautiful wife's about to do. Come on, hold that up to the Lord. Stand up on your feet. Father, we thank you. We sow an uncommon seed and expect an uncommon harvest. And we thank you. You supply seed for the sower. Lord, thank you for a tremendous time of healing the kingdom of God, multiplication and blessing. Bless our guest. Multiply this many times over. In the name of Jesus. Release a harvest for each and every one. In Jesus' name, we thank you. We give you praise. Amen. Come on, let's come up and give. I am standing on every Come on, get happy.
supernatural protection over you and your family but this kind of thing will never happen again in the name of Jesus we pray for comfort and Lord if there be foul play or evil I pray that you would expose it and bring justice and that you would touch Christiana and her sister her older sister and her children there'd be no fear we thank you for the protection that comes over her. She's so faithful in serving you. In Jesus' name. What a powerful service. It's 10.01. If you have children back there, as soon as I close, go get them. Amen. Lift your hands to heaven all across this place. Again, tomorrow at noon, we'll be streaming live. Tomorrow night at 7, bring a friend. It'll be amazing. Father, thank you for what you've done. Bless your people. Cause your face to shine upon them. Lift up your countenance towards them. Be gracious to them. Keep them and give them peace in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining today's podcast. 
If God is impacting your life through this ministry, you can partner with us and give at kcalaska.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our channel and enjoy more messages like this one.